Hi, this is ESPN's Dave Lamont, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. Here's your chance to spend Mother's Day with the King as Elvis tribute artist Wayne Euless comes to South Creek High School in Robertsonville for Mother's Day with the King, Saturday night, May 7th, 7.30. Tickets only $15 in advance, 20 the day of the show. For tickets, go to www.innovativeticketing.com and search for Mother's Day with the King or get your tickets at Porky's Backyard Barbecue, Williamston. For more information, call 252-290-0375. This is your chance to celebrate a great night of Elvis memories. Mother's Day with the King, Saturday night, May 7th, South Creek High School, Robertsonville. Guys, Wayne here. I'm excited to tell you about a show that I've got coming up next weekend, Saturday, May 7th. I'll be appearing in Robertsonville, North Carolina at South Creek High School. It's Mother's Day with the King. Get your tickets at InnovativeTicketing.com. Tickets are $15 in advance, $20 a night of the show. I hope to see you there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome to a very special edition of the Sports Objective as we have a great show that, you know, we love to talk about East Carolina and sports. In fact, we'll have a special roundtable coming up uh, towards the end of the show. But first, we are so excited. We have a big show on Saturday night at South Creek High School. And if you know anything about me, one of the number one, my favorite entertainer of all time is Elvis Presley. And we have a special Elvis tribute artist uh, that's coming in, Wayne Euless, and he's actually with us tonight. Uh, Wayne, thank you so much for being on the show. It means a lot, man. Hey, Dave. Glad to be here, man. No doubt about it. Uh, Bubba Rosenbaum, myself, and we're, we're not the only Elvis fans out there, thankfully, because we want to sell a lot of tickets. And right. people are nice enough. We talked on the phone a few months ago, and uh, we were going to do Valentine's Day. But with COVID, we had to push it back to Mother's Day. But I think it's all... Uh, worked out nicely, and uh, you guys um, may know some of the people in the western part of the state, like Bubba, may know Wayne, uh, but he's actually, we're bringing him to east of I-95, the interstate there, and we're going to bring him in eastern North Carolina to Robertsonville. We're so excited to have you, and uh, Wayne, I know you, how long have you been performing, by the way, as an Elvis tribute artist? Well, you know, I played around with it a long time, growing up and everything, and my mom, you know, of course, was a big Elvis fan, had a big influence on me. You know, you know, learning about Elvis's music. And uh, it's funny, I've told people, you know, when I was actually starting to learn a lot of his songs, you know, and, you know, memorizing the lyrics and all, you know, a lot of the songs came real easy to me. And uh, and I started thinking back, well, you know, my mom was playing those records when I was a kid. So that she had a big, a big influence on me doing what I'm doing now. But I've been performing uh, professionally about 15 years now. 
And that's uh, wonderful because if you're like me and you love Elvis, uh, those of us, I was four when Elvis died. So um, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see Elvis. In fact, my uncle, I know there are a lot of people that could uh, definitely talk about it, but 77, my uncle had um, aunt had tickets for Fayetteville wow. one month after he uh, passed away. And unfortunately, they didn't get a chance. They were obviously huge. Everybody in my family, I don't know anybody that I can think of in my family that are not Elvis fans. So, yeah. uh, and uh, we've lost, of course, my my uh, grandparents and my uncles. Uh, but a lot of my family has been Elvis fans for as long as I remember. And uh, I know that we have a lot of people that uh, are watching tonight and uh, maybe listening when we put this out as a podcast. But uh, how can you not like the king? I just can't imagine anybody out there not liking the king of rock and roll. Well, you know, his music's timeless. Uh, for me, it is anyway, you know. And, and you know, I always share when I perform, you know, there's never going to be another Elvis Presley. I mean, you know, I, you know, I consider myself a tribute artist, and but I'm all about keeping Elvis's memory music alive. That's, that's what it's all about for me. And, Wayne, um, my love of Elvis, you know, goes back to my childhood because of, uh, you know, my grandmother, my dad's mom, uh, she was a huge Elvis fan, you know, had uh, tons of albums, you know, the old 8-track, et cetera. Um, she had so many Elvis things as well as uh, in addition to, you know, copies of his music. Um, she had other Elvis, um, I guess, paraphernalia and so forth. But uh, so that was a lot of fun back in the mid-90s uh, when East Carolina was playing in a Liberty Bowl. I can't remember if it was the year we played Illinois or Stanford, but it was either 94 or 95. Uh, we went to Graceland, and that was a lot of fun. I know it's changed a lot since then, as we were talking about in the green room before the show, and I'll let you touch on that here in a moment sure. about how it's changed over the last 25-plus years. But uh, in addition to that, when East Carolina went to the Liberty Bowl, it was either um, – I think it was the 2009 season when we played Arkansas. Uh, on the way back after the game, and we stopped in Tupelo and uh, checked out some of the things there. Right, right. Yeah, that's Elvis's birthplace. You know, we were there uh, just about three or four years ago. And it was actually my first stop there. And we went to the hardware store, supposedly where he had bought his first guitar when his mom bought him when he was a kid. And But we saw the birthplace, the home, you know, and it's uh, if you've not seen that, it's it's quite interesting. It's like it was, they call it a shotgun house. And it is a it has a, a rear door and a front door in the same place. And literally there was no air conditioning or anything. So they would just open the doors and the air would go through the house. But, it, but he, he came from, uh, Elvis came from very humble beginnings and uh, really did. And uh, amazing to visit that and see his birthplace. But yeah, you were mentioning uh, Graceland in Memphis. Uh, you know, it's, it's so different now. Now the house is the same, you know, they haven't really changed the house. It's like a time capsule, you know, you walk in there and, and everything looks like it did in the 70s, which is pretty cool. But uh, across the street now, if for people that have been to Graceland have not been in recent years, you know, they tore down the strip shopping centers over there. And now they built a new uh, 200,000 square foot exhibition center that houses everything you can imagine. I mean, you can literally spend just about a whole day across the street. Just looking at, you know, uh, they say Elvis's dad, Vernon, was a uh, pack rat. 
and a lot of people would say a hoarder today, <laughs> but uh, he supposedly, his dad supposedly never threw anything away. He kept like every receipt for everything Elvis ever did. And supposedly there are warehouses in the Memphis area that are just jam packed full of stuff. So they were able to actually show a lot more. Uh, one little story I like to share, and uh, some of you guys may have heard this story, but, but it was a story going around a lot of years ago that Elvis was looking at TV one night in his TV room, and he, he for some reason or another, didn't particularly like the singer Robert Goulet. Have you heard this story, David? I think I know where you're going with this, yeah, I think so. <laughs> So anyway, the story goes, Robert Goulet came on TV and Elvis didn't care for him. And I think it had something to do with a meeting with Priscilla one time or another. And maybe uh, maybe he flirted with Priscilla or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so the rumor was that Elvis saw Robert Goulet on TV and took a gun out and shot the TV out in his TV room. So I heard that for years. I said, I don't know whether that's for real or not. So anyway, I'm across the street. The last time I'm at uh, Graceland and there's a area over there where they've got all this kind of personal effects and things that came out of the house. And I'm walking down through there and here's like a 19 inch TV with a bullet hole in the front of it. So his dad didn't, didn't even throw that TV away. They still got that too. So wow. <laughs> pretty, yeah. pretty cool to see that though. Uh, no doubt about it. I can't wait uh, for those to know how much I love Elvis. Right. I, we got to make the trip and the kids. I know that they, you have two new Elvis fans that are coming on Saturday night. And that would be uh, Mackenzie who is eight and Alexander there's nine and they're going to be there. They're going to, in fact, Mackenzie told you her two favorites right now of Elvis that she knows hound dog and uh, teddy bear. Right. Right. So it should be a lot of fun. In fact, one of my fans come on out seven and 30 is a show. Good news is our good friends at Porky's backyard barbecue if you haven't got your tickets, they'll have them. Uh, they'll be selling them uh, even on Saturday during the day if you want to go by there and get your tickets. But or you can simply go to innovativeticketing.com and just search Mother's Day with the King. And I tell you what, folks, we're excited, Wayne. I believe you. You told me I believe I'm gonna put you on the spot. It's a two-hour show, right? Yeah, about two hours. Yeah, and and you know I cover you know all three eras, uh, you know of, of Elvis's music. You know we'll obviously do a lot of the big hits from the '50s, some some of the stuff from the '60s. Uh, and 70s, of course. Uh, I like to, uh, you know, do uh, maybe a gospel song or two. Elvis loved gospel music, was mm -hmm. such a big part of his life. And uh, so we, we generally try to do uh, one or two of those. And then uh, the movie songs, too. You know, his, his, uh, his, his movie career, you know, lasted so many years, so many uh, great feature films, you know. And so we usually do a couple of songs from the movies. But, uh, yeah, we'll cover a a lot of different, a lot of his different music. Not to get off on a tangent, Dave, but um, you know, since Wayne brought up Elvis' humble beginnings there in Tupelo, I've watched several videos here recently, you know, talking about Elvis's twin brother. So that's pretty crazy. It, it would have been very interesting uh, to, you know, to see how that would have potentially changed things, you know, and, you know, what Elvis became uh, had his um, twin brother lived. Yeah, it would have been interesting. Uh, I mean, Jesse Guerin was his name, and uh, I guess he was stillborn. And uh, but uh, yeah, correct, correct, correct. Uh, Elvis claimed. I'm, I know, you know, when he was still alive, you know, he always talked about he felt he still felt even that connection to his to his brother 
that he never knew. So uh, just like he did his mom, he was uh, he was really close to his mother, you know, and of course he lost her at a relatively young age and that was a really devastating for him when that happened. No question about it. Our good friend, Alan Vecht, who actually made the commercial that we played at the beginning, he said, looking forward to your show, Wayne. I've been a lifelong Elvis ologist. I own everything he ever recorded, quite a few of the FTD releases over the last 20 years. Thank you for keeping the music alive. Well, you're you're welcome, Alan. We uh, hope, hope to see you at the show. I look forward to meeting you, and uh, thank you for that. Yeah, he's uh, he's been a dear friend since 1996. He's put up with me a lo- longer than Bubba has. Bubba probably feels like it's 1996 that we've been uh, friends. But we had, um, but Alan and I just go back and forth talking about Elvis. And I tell you, I'll give Alan Vick credit. When I first met him, I knew a little bit of the 70s Elvis. And I told you this, I think, a conversation or two ago, Wayne. But I've actually, as the years have gone by, the more I appreciate the late Elvis, the 70s Elvis. When I was a kid, like my kids now, I was diehard 50s only Elvis, except right. for a few a few songs maybe of the 60s, a few of the 70s. Mm-hmm. But as time has gone on, I've really, thanks to Alan Vick, I really gave the 70s Elvis a chance. Well, you know, he he his 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 voice changed, you know, a lot. If you if you listen to him in the 50s, he had a much higher voice and his his voice matured uh in the 70s. And that was when he did a lot of the ballads and uh you know, he didn't get a lot, you know, you and I, I think you and I may have had this discussion or when I was talking with Bill with the uh, radio interview, uh, you know, he didn't get a lot of good material in the 70s. You know, after his first number, his first, his last number one hit, which was Suspicious Minds, you know, he had uh, Burning Love went to number two in 1972. And a little interesting side story about Burning Love, it made it all the way to number two. And it didn't make it to number one because of Chuck Berry's My Dingaling. <laughs> hey, that's a true story. That. I did not know that. I know that was I know they were both from 1972, yep. but I didn't make the Yeah, but he uh but no, he didn't I think part of the problem was that, you know, and I don't try to, to I don't try to disparage his manager, Colonel Parker. He he made a lot of good decisions in Elvis's career, but I think he kind of held Elvis back somewhat. Elvis wanted to obviously tour Europe and perform over there. He would have been huge in England, Japan, all over Europe. And uh, it's uh, not commonly known that uh, his manager was actually a, uh, a Dutch immigrant who, who slipped in the U.S. after World War II, so he wasn't a U.S. citizen. And I guess he wanted to keep a tight, tight reins on Elvis, so that's one of the reasons he didn't want Elvis to travel abroad and perform, because he wouldn't have been able to kind of he wouldn't have been able to be close to it if he allowed him to do that. But, uh, but anyway, yeah. That and what, another thing people may not know is he was supposed to be the one with Barbara Streisand and a star is born, but Colonel Parker I, turned that down. And I thought that was crazy because if you think about that time period, that would have been, well, who knows? I mean, I could just speculation because he didn't do it, mm-hmm. but man, that would have been, I really believe that would have been really, really big, for Elvis. I mean, that was such a great, it's such a great story, such a great film, even the latest version with Bradley Cooper. And and Elvis had the acting experience. I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, didn't care for some of his, you know, uh, teeny bopper movies, you know, uh, later in the, in the, in the mid late sixties, you know, but he had some, I think he has some, some great, uh, great movies. Uh, of course his favorite, uh, Elvis's favorite, uh, 
uh, acting role was in King Creole, and uh, which I think he did a phenomenal job in that. But uh, you had a, a a young Walter Matthau was actually in that movie King Creole. That was uh, that was a, and Elvis did a great job acting in that movie. Yeah, not every and let's be uh, let's be fair. Not every movie is going to be your best. That's not every movie is going to be great. Um, so I, I give him there. There's movies that I really like from him, and movies I'm like, wow. But it's still Elvis, so you gotta yep. love it. But let's. Uh, Alan Vick had another great point adding to what you were saying. Elvis management wanted half the publishing if he recorded your songs, so that kept a lot of people from pitching their best material to the press uh, organization. Yeah, so you're right. In the '70s, he just he, the, the the great songwriters just weren't bringing. They really weren't bringing any new material to Elvis. But what he did, which I think was phenomenal, he started recording a lot of the old country songs, you know, and doing remakes of some of the older country songs from the '50s and '60s. And he came out with some great stuff, uh, country albums. And a lot of people don't know this, you know, David. I'm sure you're aware of this, but you know, Elvis is the only artist in history that's been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Country Music Hall of Fame, and Gospel Music Hall of Fame. That, that's right. He is. It's amazing how many he, and I know that uh, Johnny Cash is uh, in a lot of uh, Hall of Fames too, but he's in my, he's the first, uh, he's definitely the first artist that I really loved. And maybe that's sentimentally why I love him so much. But the very first, I'll tell this quick story and we'll move on about you. But the very first record I ever played on those, you know, those turntables or those, uh, it was more like a piece of furniture, uh, the stereos back in the day, back oh, in the oh, 70s. Big console type. Yeah, big consoles. Right. Well, when I was probably four, maybe five, uh, right after Elvis died, I was tall enough to be able to see over the, to see over that where I could actually see the, the turntable inside that console and El the Elvis Golden Hits was the very first album that I ever played on my own. Right. Uh, so that's another thing. Not that people probably care, but um, just telling you how big a fan I am. As far as uh, the show on Saturday night, it's going to be a lot of fun. Our good friend, Backyard Barbecue, uh, one of our mine fans. We're, we're actually opening the doors a lot uh, sooner than we normally would. Um, so it gives you a chance to come out. You'll have a place to eat. You have a great chance to uh, eat. And then uh, for Mother's Day, if you have your mama still alive or your there's a lot of uh, Wayne, there's a lot of Elvis fan, older ladies that are coming and uh, look out. So I just want to <laughs> give you fair warning. <laughs> That's great. You know, we look forward to meeting everybody. No doubt about it. I know, uh, Bubba, we're going to have uh, a chance for everybody if uh, you want to come on out. And I know that you actually give a chance to meet all the fans afterwards, right? Yeah. You know what I like to do afterwards, you know, I do give out some. I have a lady down in Charlotte that makes custom-made silk scarves for me. So what I will do is I will go out in the audience during the show and just randomly give out some scarves. And then I always like to invite, you know, anyone who wants to come up and say hello after the show, obviously. But I always invite the ladies to bring their scarf up, you know, after the show. And we'll we'll go out in the lobby or wherever. And, you know, I like to personalize those and sign those for, for folks that are there. And I'm happy to take, you know, pictures with anybody that wants to do that and, uh, but yeah, we we definitely like to like to meet folks after the show. Like uh, like our good friend Alan Vick, who's been joining us tonight. He's uh, I tell you what, if he he's a walking encyclopedia when it comes to Elvis, um, um, it's just it's amazing to sit back. We were talking, we were together Friday night last week. He's so excited about the show, and we were talking about the different eras and that sort of thing. But 
uh, when it comes to Elvis, is there uh, are there songs that uh, are more challenging for you to do? I mean, uh, by the way, before you answer, I don't believe how good Wayne is. Then uh, check him out on YouTube. Unbelievable stuff he's he's done, and uh, that we Alan and I were talking about how great you were um, last Friday night. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I worked at the craft for a long time, and you know, it's uh, just sitting here kind of talking with you guys. It's it's, it's fun, but you know, when you're, when you try, when you're doing a show, you know, you're, you're obviously again, not Elvis, but you're trying to, to recreate, you know, the image on stage, you know, uh, the, the stage presence and everything. And, and I mean, it, it's, it's a lot involved in, you know, you know, because no, nobody's ever going to be as good as Elvis was, you know, let's, let's just go ahead and say that. But, uh, but I appreciate the compliment and I, I enjoy, I enjoy doing it. I really do. Before I forget too we were talking about today and I want to say this on our show. I know I'll forget. And afterwards I'm like, why didn't I mention that a uh, plug that for him? I want you to talk about the Mayberry cruise because there's a lot of Andy <laughs> Griffith fans. And I know you, uh, you do a good job with that. Right. And I believe your wife is a travel agent. So we, I want to make sure we plug uh, your cruise coming up because there are a lot of people right now. Maybe they can't make right. Saturday night. We hope you can, but we'd love for you to go on the cruise with Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole thing, to be honest with you, all kind of, my wife and I just have always been just huge fans of the Andy Griffith show. I mean, it just, you know, when, you, when, you, when you've had a bad day or things are bothering you with your job or whatever, you can always go home and, and, and put on Andy Griffith, you know, and it's like it, it takes you to a place, you know, a, a place that is a happy place, you know. So we just so we just have been big fans forever. And, uh, and my wife has done been in the travel business for 30 some odd years, but about uh, 15, 16 years ago, she came up with the idea to do a Mayberry cruise and a, a theme cruise and have uh, tried to get some former cast members from the show, uh, tribute artists that, that perform at Mayberry days in Mount Airy every year. So we went and approached, uh, you know, certain people about doing that. And it all started about 15, 16 years ago where we've had, Several cast members have been on the show with us. Uh, excuse, excuse me, on the cruise with us, and uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, this year we're actually going to have Clint Howard, who is Ron's little brother. And if you remember, everybody remembers him from Andy Griffith. He was a little little kid in the cowboy outfit with the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, he never never had any speaking lines or anything. But then, of course, Clint went on and had a real successful career. He, some of you may remember him from the TV series Gentle Ben. And he was on that, but uh, he, uh, yeah, super nice guy. We'll have him on the cruise. He'll do a Q&A, sign autographs. We'll, we'll watch some video clips of different things he's done. We do a variety show where we uh, recreate scenes from the show. We'll have uh, several different tribute artists that will do that. And then there's a Mayberry trivia contest. Uh, a lot of stuff. It's a lot of fun. And if you're interested in that, uh, you can call All About Cruises Incorporated at 336-538-4926 and speak to Sharon. That's my wife. And we'd love to have you join us. We have a pretty good crowd. goes every year. And it's a, this will be the first one we've done in two years because of COVID. So we're real excited. And the dates are, it, it actually leaves this year on October 23rd out of Miami. And it's a six-night uh, cruise that we're going to be going down to the Caribbean. Uh, hey, Bubba, I'll, I, hey, uh, Bubba, I was going to say to you real quick, and I'll pitch, pitch it to you. 
maybe my mom and dad can go on that cruise. I know they would love it. We'll take care of all the kids. Well, grandkids, I should say, and they can go on the cruise and have a good time with Wayne. Oh, and actually, I forgot to mention, I actually do an Elvis show as part of the Mayberry Cruise. So I left that out. <laughs> yeah, Dave, I'm sure your parents would love that. And, uh, you know, Wayne, we talked about a lot of Elvis's songs and so forth. But, you know, what are some of your favorite, you know, to listen to, to sing? And, uh, you know, which are, which are your favorites? You know, I, I you know I like so many. Uh, you know, and I, people ask me all the time, "What's your favorite?" You know, and uh, you know, I probably if I had to pick one, it probably probably be "Suspicious Minds," which was his last number one in in nineteen sixty nine. But uh, I like a lot of the ballads in the ghetto. Kentucky Rain's one of my favorites. Uh, a lot of the early stuff too. You know, "Heartbreak Hotel" was of course his first number one hit, and. Uh, Interestingly, uh, uh, if you go on my Facebook page and look down, you'll see some photos that were recently discovered over in Burlington, North Carolina, which is where I'm originally from, that a gentleman found where Elvis came through Burlington back in 1956, and he actually performed at Williams High School Auditorium, and uh, they found photos of that, and I posted them on my Facebook page a couple months ago, and it and it was crazy. It just exploded. Uh, people that were and had been to that show and actually had not seen actual pictures from that. And uh, but he performed uh, there in I don't know what month it was, but it was in 1956. It was right before he signed his contract with RCA. And then, of course, Heartbreak Hotel came out. And then, you know, of course, the rest of it was history. We know so. And those of you who haven't get a chance, uh, you need to go to the RCA. Studio B in in Nashville, and actually, it's amazing if you get a chance. It's you know you, you go to the Country Music Hall of Fame, by the way, if you're wondering how to do that. And I believe they have a tour where you can go over there. They did at one time, but it's amazing. They have a a list of all the songs that have been recorded there, and it's just amazing. From Elvis to Dolly Parton, you could go on and on and on. All the uh, famous songs that when you read them, you're just amazed at how much history. Is there, we were talking about Sun Records, you know, in Memphis, um, but there's so many great uh, things, uh, great songs, great memories. Uh, just when you're in that room, I've been there, it's it's like you you feel overwhelmed. You, don't, you can't really even imagine how many great songs are recorded there. And when you start thinking about it, it can be a little much. I haven't been there, David. I'm actually, uh, last time we went to Memphis, we stopped in Nashville. And I tried to buy the tour just for the Studio B, but you can't buy it as a separate tour. You have to buy the Country Music Hall of Fame, and it comes as part of it. But uh, yeah, I definitely want to see that. That's one. That's one. That's one thing on my bucket list. But that's actually, you know, where Elvis recorded "How Great Thou Art" in the studio in that studio, which, which of course he won two Grammys for. So uh, yeah, I definitely want to see that. No doubt. In fact, I love the Bill Gaither song. He touched me. Oh yeah, Elvis, one of my favorites. But that whole gospel album, um, that first one that he did, I believe it was the first one. But he was just amazing on that. You could tell the thing I love about Elvis. Uh, we can move on again about the show one more time. But the thing I love about Elvis so much is all the different influences. He wasn't one of those guys that had one style of music he liked. He liked an eclectic taste. 
He did. And I think most people do. But how he could take all those different influences and make it his own, because right. people always talk about how he ripped off, you know, the um, some of the early music from uh, pioneers from African American music. But I thought, well, at that particular time, um, he was taking what he liked and he put that. Uh, he he made that music that uh, that at that time period, being a rock and roll pioneer, right. he brought that music to light. Well, actually, you know, the people that wrote those songs that he re-recorded, they, I'm sure they made money off that. One, one little story I like to share is uh, Carl Perkins, Blue Suede Shoes. Carl was well known as for saying, you know, I wrote that song. I had a hit with it, but I made more money off the Elvis singing it than I did singing it myself. So, you know, yeah. No question about it. Uh, we're going to uh, have so much fun with you Saturday night. I know we've kept you longer than than uh, expected, but uh, we appreciate it very much. We want people to get tickets, and I tell you what, it's going to be a great show. My kids are very excited about it, and we talked about that before, how the kids of all ages love Elvis. Um, some people are going to be in their 70s, 80s there on Saturday night, and then we've got my, my kids that are eight and nine years old, and they love Elvis, so it's going to be a huge range of, uh, I guess, from eight to 80, right, Wayne? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I were, you and I were talking earlier today, you know, and I mean, I love, you know, I'm, I love all the fans, obviously, but the little kids, you know, it's really special, you know, that that to see little kids that are interested, that are interested in that music, you know, and and for and for the most part, most of most of the young ones that I meet are into the '50s stuff, you know, they like uh, Heartbreak Hotel and Hound Dog and Blue Suede, they like the '50s stuff, which is great. But I, yeah, I love seeing the, the you know the the little kids, you know, coming along now. They're gonna keep they're gonna keep this thing going, hopefully, you know, for for quite a few years. So uh, yeah, a lot of fun. No doubt about it, Wayne. I want to remind people to get your tickets. You can get them in advance if you're watching this. Uh, it's Thursday night. We'll have uh, live, but we also have up until Saturday. They'll have tickets at Porky's Backyard Barbecue. We have printed tickets. Those of you that are old dogs who haven't learned new tricks, uh, <laughs> we have printed tickets for you in advance. Uh, but on Saturday, keep in mind, they'll be $20. Right. Um, so make sure that you get them uh, tomorrow, being Friday. But Saturday, they go up to 20 the day of the show. You right. can uh, obviously come by, and we'll be the doors open, and we'll get those tickets for you uh, there. But keep in mind, the day of the show, and they're at the, uh, the actual door, They'll be $20, or you can simply go to InnovativeTicketing.com and just search for Mother's Day with the King. Wayne, is such a huge honor to have you come into. Uh, it's almost like having Elvis come to uh, Robertsonville. They're the people that Robertsonville, I think, has 18 or 1,900 people, so they're wow. tickled to death. There are a lot of people in Seville that are excited that we're bringing something to Robertsonville. Um, it's not every day that that happens, but they're very excited about it. And we're very excited, and I'm glad to have a new friend and Wayne Euless. So I appreciate Thank you very much for coming on the show and look forward to the show on Saturday night. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. All right. Well, I hope you have a great night. We'll see you there uh, Saturday. And uh, fans, hopefully they'll come out and uh, enjoy it. And tonight, my friend. Okay, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. All right, we appreciate Wayne so much as he's going to be, and that's going to be a great show, Bubba. I tell you what, uh, Wayne is uh, a good friend, and we appreciate him. Uh, again, Saturday night, get your tickets at innovativeticketing.com and just uh, simply click on uh, search for Mother's Day with the King. Tickets are $15 now. 
in advance day of show $20. So we want you to come on and thanks uh, Wayne so much for coming on tonight. It means uh, so much. All right. So now we're going to the part of the show are, uh, in fact, I think uh, Kyle will be coming back in our green room very soon, but we have our, our, one of our favorite things we like to do is a round table. We don't get a chance to do it much uh, where we have a lot of guests about ECU and uh, sports. So we thought we'd take the second part of the show and talk about anything you want to talk about East Carolina sports of the like. So we'd love for you to, uh, to, to jump on board and just like Alan Vicker, good friend, you can come on now and uh, talk sports uh, with ECU. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I know that uh, Kyle's coming back on. Obviously Matt uh, will be on it just a little bit. Lots to talk about, obviously, with uh, we had uh, one thing I want to plug. We had Mike Houston on uh, last night. He recorded an interview with us yesterday. We put it on last night for you. If you haven't heard that interview, then uh, check out the head football coach of East Carolina. As uh, coach is always very candid, and we appreciate uh, his comments on a lot of different topics. We were able to talk to him about 20 minutes, and Matt and I were asking him a lot of different things. So, we tried to get, I thought we we did our very best of getting a lot of different uh, things in a, a short period of time, uh, for sure. Want to remind fans, too, to get your tickets now. On the screen, we have it, 1-800-DOWL-ECU, or you can go to ecpirates.com. And I think, Bubba, we were at, uh, Bubba, if you're here, back with us now, 14,000, no, not quite 14,000 season tickets sold, right? Was it 13,000? When I spoke to the ticket office, I want to say it was Monday or Tuesday, and we were right there at the thirteen and a half thousand mark um, last year. I want to say we finished at fourteen one, so uh, right around five or six hundred tickets from where we were in twenty twenty one. The athletic department has set a goal of fifteen thousand, but uh, I think we can definitely beat that, and um, hopefully we can get up there in you know, a seventeen or eighteen. No doubt, and. Um... That's one of the things, my gosh, when you think about East Carolina, NC State alone, if you want to be able to go to that game, folks, when we get closer to that game, you're not going to be able to get a ticket. I really believe that will be a sellout. Every time East Carolina, NC State play at home and home or the a neutral site uh, site like a Charlotte, Bank of America, you're going to have a ton. And so uh, we look forward to uh, – we want to make sure that we get as many people – there, in fact, uh, we have packages as low as one hundred twenty-five dollars. They have that seven home games. In fact, we talked about uh, that there's going to be every single Saturday in September will be home games. And Bubba, you can stay at my house. I don't know if uh, if <laughs> your wife Stacy would like that, but you're going to have to make four straight Saturday trips to Greenville. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I remember uh, one, I want to say maybe it was Ruffin McNeil's <clears throat> second season, but it was there was some time during the Holtz years or uh, the McNeil years where the Pirates actually played five home games in a row. Uh, so this, but this, but nonetheless, this is very, very rare, but the Pirate Nation needs to step up. And as far as that season opener against NC State, like Coach Houston said uh, on our podcast um, within the last, 24 hours he said anything less than a sellout for nc state is going to be or would be disappointing but it's not going to be disappointing because i know pirate nation will make it happen absolutely and uh i know that we'll have kyle maybe we'll get matt in there um here in a second kyle being in the green room and we'll get him on in just a second you know he has to make an entrance 
um, to have Kyle on the show, but we'll get him on in just a second. If you want to comment tonight, obviously you can. If you're watching on YouTube, face, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, then you can make your comments known and we'll uh, put them up there. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. He actually has a horse in the Kentucky Derby on Saturday, Barbara Road. He is actually the owner of the horse. It's Kyle Barber. How are you, man? I wish I owned a horse in the Kentucky Derby. What's going on, guys? I'm serious. I'm pulling for Barber Road. I'm going to be pulling hard Saturday night at 6 just for you. Yeah, I'm uh, not much of a horse racing guy. For some reason, it's one horse that always stuck with me, and I have no idea it was a name of a horse, Lil E.T. or Lil E.T. or it was something like that. I, I don't remember exactly. Maybe if there's some horse racing expert in their audience, they'll know what I'm talking about. But that's like the only horse whose name I remember. And I don't really think it was a particularly successful horse. Just for some reason, the name stuck with me. I just like the crazy names. I love what we're like that story about Barber Road and Kinston. And that's going to be on, in literally the Kentucky Derby. That's that's crazy. So a lot of fun uh, for sure. We wanted to talk, have a round table for uh, Pirate fans. Uh, we don't get a chance to do it as much as we used to. So, Kyle, we wanted to have you on and Bubba, obviously, and uh, have a show where we could spend some time talking about uh, topics. Of, uh, one of the things that uh, I know we could start off with, my friend Kyle, is that you told us on Hoist of Colors, our good friend Stephen Igo, and the message boards today, a lot of talk about our conversation yesterday. We're going to plug again with Coach Mike Houston and particularly about the indoor practice facility, right? Can you catch me up to speed on that? Evidently, that was kind of breaking news to people. He broke it kind of on the podcast. It's going to be released to the public um, next week. The details of it, uh, which, you know, um, I wonder how, I wonder if Gilbert, uh, that could have been one of them things where Houston did it just so Gilbert had to do it, to go ahead and get it out there to the public. But uh, (laughs) uh, apparently um, $20 million, uh, yeah. is the goal. Uh, some people think we can get it done cheaper than that. Um, I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know how fancy they're trying to make it. Sometimes, you know, I wonder with certain things, you want it to be nice, but I mean, I, I don't know. I always wonder with that kind of stuff, why is it so damn expensive? Um, have you seen construction costs lately? Right. Yeah, I understand that. But I mean, essentially, uh, you're building, I, I'm assuming it's going to be, you know, I, I don't know how big it's going to be. Uh, that, it's not going to be 100 yards. Um, I'm assuming it'll be – what are they normally, Bubba, 50 yards? No, I, th- I think it um, – you know, if space will allow, I'll cert- I certainly think it will be 100 or right there at it because, to be honest with you, you know, right right now, uh, App State, for comparison, and they've had one for several years as dictated by their climate, but, uh, but theirs uh, is less than 100 yards. I want to say it's maybe 70, 75. Okay, then, I, they, I don't. Have, I, I haven't seen have, many of them that are 100 yards. They have very, very little room on the sidelines. Right. Uh, I, I do think that uh, having an indoor practice facility that's, you know, full, you know, 120 yards when you have the end zones, I think that's become more and more common uh, than it used to be. Okay. Well, and if we're going for that, I can see uh, it being expensive. But I mean, even if it was. I think having the rooms on the sidelines is kind of important for um, just functionality. But even if you did it 50 yards, I mean, you could practice all you wanted, um, by and large. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how fast we get it done. That's a lot of money to be raised. 
uh, I don't know where we are on paying off the uh, to Tower. Um, and and he and Houston also talked about the importance of NI of uh, name, image, and likeness NIL and where that's going. And you know how businesses need to get involved. How how there needs to be a fund set up um, by donors uh, so that we can kind of I guess. I don't know how that works exactly if people are just donating to an NIL fund. Um, does anybody know how that works? A collective, right. But how does that work? What are they advertising? Um, you, you know, they got to be doing something for the money, I thought. So is, is the collective going to be set up at, are they advertising the collective? I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand how that works. Uh, that's, that's the NCAA doing things, you know, but essentially that's just paying players. Essentially it's right. what SMU gave, got the death, got the death penalty for. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I really believe not to be a Debbie Downer. Um, and we talk about broads, you know, spectrum of college football. I think there's going to be a huge shift coming because of this NIL crap. And I believe that there's going to be a, um, I think there's a, there's going to be a divide coming. Uh, and, I don't think all power five teams are going to make it. I really don't. I think it's going to be a, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how things play out over the next five years or so. Well, Matt and I were talking because we're getting ready for the show yesterday and we knew we were going to do it. And he said, he and I were talking, but I tell you what, what scares me. And we haven't talked about this part. The one thing that I've been thinking a lot over the last year is the very fact that the people that had their heads in the sand. We're talking about the NCAA, and I'm not going to go off on a tangent how I feel about the NCAA, but the one thing that scares me with them is all of a sudden, you know, literally this this has been around. We knew this was coming. It's like a freight train. We knew it was coming. And so what's happening is my, my fear is all of a sudden they're going to wait. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't do that, East Carolina, or fill in the blank of the name of the school and all of a sudden start putting – sanctious on it i don't think no i mean there's you you got people that are they're millionaires at this point dave i mean i don't i'm not worried about that not 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 now it would have to be rules changed uh so i'm not really that's they're not, not really clear. they're not clear on on what you can or well, you basically do what you want to i mean it's for all intents and purposes at this point it's the wild west i mean uh, so the NCAA is a damn joke, you know, just like they want to, they want to suspend, um, I'm sorry guys, you my, my, I got my mind on so many other things, but our pitcher, yeah, Wizenhunt, um, they want to suspend Wizenhunt for, for using, uh, a supplement he bought over the counter, you know, that's per rumor. Yeah. GNC per rumor. Yeah. You know, you, you players can be millionaires now and threaten to transfer. They don't get more money or you can have a homeboy in Pennsylvania at Penn who claims he's a girl and runs for swimming championships? That's allowed, but but Wizenhunt can't take a uh, a GNC supplement. The NCAA is freaking retarded. It's 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 lost all credibility when when you're paying players millions of dollars, and you and you got and you got a dude sitting NCAA records in a girl's sports. Uh, you you've lost all credibility, and um, just just looking at. What they did to Wizen Hunt and really what they did to our baseball team this year is criminal. I agree with that 100%. Now, guys, very quickly before we move on, kind of where I was going a few minutes ago with that regarding App State, and then also I was going to bring up NC State's indoor facility. 
I did I did double check and empty state facility uh, is you know four hundred and fifty yards local regulation football field and where I was going with App State, um, the reason I brought that up is although they've had that one that is not regulation, um, they're you know in the works of uh, tearing that one down um, probably in the, the very near future and building one that is regulation. And how much is App spending on it? You know, I'd like to know what they're spending on theirs uh, or should be a similar cost. I mean, I, you know, it... it I know the cost of I know construction costs are more in Boone than they are Greenville, so I'd I'd love to know what they're spending, um, how many bells and whistles they're planning on putting in, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I don't know. This has to be done. It's like Coach Houston said: there are schools that you know we perceive ourselves being above that we are behind in facilities. So uh, it needs to be rectified, and hopefully we can get it rectified. Um, Another issue to kind of go along with that and kind of go along with fundraising for indoor practice facility and, and the uh, collective for NIL is, you know, support power club memberships down. It continues to be down. Um, me and Bubba and Dave, particularly off the air, me and Bubba's had this conversation several times about people aging out. I mean, so many people uh, have, are getting older. You know, we are, the, um, I'm 41, Bubba's 40. Dave, you're 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 late forties, and we're the young crowd, um, and there's not that many of us. So I'd love to know how many season ticket holders are under the age of fifty, and how many season ticket holders are under the age of forty at this point. And that's something we need to adjust. We need to get younger, and that's nothing. That's that's not being ageist against the older pirates. Uh, it's just it's a fact. People people get old and, and, they, and they, and they're not as active anymore and they die and they go to nursing homes or whatever. And, uh, we need to get younger, um, desperately or 20 years from now, we're going to look around and, you know, we're going to be talking about how we once were one of the best fan bases in college football. Yeah. Kyle, you I mean, you hear all the time coaches talk about how I mean, you, you want balance in your classes, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. I mean, same thing with the, age ranges um, as far as your donor base and then also season ticket base um, you need to have a strong base at each at each age level or you know that range of ages uh, so that you can carry on uh, you know when when people um, are you know moving on or uh, or passing on yeah and, and you can start now with young grad you can really put an emphasis on that and push it hard at the pirate club level you can start even with before that with the student power club, but there's a whole, you know, there's a whole group of people that were coming to games that were around our age, Bubba, that were coming to games in their thirties and twenties in the Skip Holtz era during the Ruffin McNeil era that it's kind of left and Hank came back. And, uh, we need, we need to get them back. Uh, we, we need to get them back. They got, you know, a lot of them have kids now they're busy doing other things. Um, but we need to get them back and we need to get them involved. And, uh, uh, part of that's going to take care of itself winning on the football field, but we need them. We need them involved more than just buying season tickets. We, we it's going to, like I said, it's going to take a collective effort. And in terms of NIL, and I, I, I talked about this with you guys jokingly. I think we should contact Vince. WWE and Vince McMahon has only been so involved with ECU over the years. But one thing Vince likes is, is Vince likes mainstream publicity. He likes being the top story on ESPN. And he literally, you know, Vince McMahon right now, 
the story of him signing NL, NIL deals, the WWE signing NIL deals with East Carolina, his alma mater's athletes, and and offering them hundreds of thousands of dollars. And and now if you're if you're a if you're an, if you're an East Carolina athlete and you sign a a football contract, you're a WWE NIL, you know whatever. How it, it would be all over ESPN. And he could literally, he has the, we're, we're in a situation now you can buy championships. This has got the money where you could, you could pitch it to him. Hey, right now, you know, you could make East Carolina a top 10 football program where they're competing for national championships because he can do it financially. And that's something, you know, that, that may appeal to him where you couldn't appeal to Vince in the past. And I think it's worth a shot if you can get somebody in his ear and take it from that angle of, hey, you spend your money here, it's going to get a lot of press. And when East Carolina's <laughs> competing for New Year's Six Bowl games, there's going to be all kinds of talks of WWE and the NIL deals with our athletes. And I'm telling you, if somebody could get in his ear and pitch it from the right angle, you, you may be able to get him interested in something like that. That's Just because of his I've ego. Said. That's something I've said time and again, Kyle, that, uh, you know, if, if you get Vince McMahon involved, um, he, he would have the opportunity to be East Carolina's T. Boone Pickens. And for folks who aren't familiar with T. Boone Pickens, uh, he, he is a, you know, old tycoon uh, in, in Texas, Oklahoma State uh, guy. And, uh, you know, he passed, passed away here several years back. But uh, he did remarkable things for uh, Oklahoma State. And uh, no, they haven't been in the college football playoff, but they've been highly successful, uh, much more successful, uh, you know, since he made those contributions and you see uh, their stadium there in Stillwater. It's, it's absolutely beautiful, with, you know, with luxury suites and boxes and so forth around the stadium, uh, kind of like a miniature Lambeau field. Yeah. Oh, yeah but, if you, but if you could convince Vince now, Hey, look, you, you pour that money into East Carolina football directly to the student athletes and, you know, you got a quarterback, let's say we'll use that because that's the most, you know, thought about position. You got a four or five star quarterback that's getting power five offers and now all of a sudden East Carolina offers him and it, the story tied to it is it, it becomes with an NIL deal from the WWE worth a couple million bucks. I mean, that's going to be all over ESPN. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, somebody's got to know Vince McMahon, I would think. I mean, we've had Linda McMahon. She did the commencement speech. A few years ago, they gave a lot of money to the business school. That's where um, they graduated. So uh, you would think that we would have to be able to get some money from Vince, I would think, from the athletic department. I would make him tell us no. I think the NIL deal in particular is something, again, that if you pitched it to him right, he could be interested in. You know, I don't know what other, you know, multimillionaire, you know, Vince is a billionaire. I don't know what other billionaires or multimillionaires you know, we have out there that we could have NIL deals with, um, you know, obviously anybody that owns businesses, uh, obviously in, in Eastern North Carolina, but beyond, um, if you're a pirate, uh, could contribute. And, you know, I know Grady White, Bo's, Grady White, is he, he's a Tar Heel, right? Yeah, I believe that's correct, yeah. But, he, you know, he's, he made, he's at least – if he's not a Tar Heel, he's at least given substantially to North Carolina. Yeah, and, and of course he gave a lot to us. Um, and I'm sure, uh, you know, maybe we could get him involved in some NIL deals. Um, but you know, maybe he's already doing that with UNC. I, I don't know. But it, it, it's something that that's going to need to be addressed going forward. 
and I, I don't know, college football and college athletics in general um, has changed so much, and it's going to continue to change. And with the transfer portal and now NIL deals being, you know, directly involved with transfers, it's a, I don't know, man, it's an interesting time in college athletics. Along these same lines, uh, Zay Jones, back during the tail end of spring practice, you know, gave a very passionate speech to the team, he and Robert. Uh, but Zay's was, uh, you know, as some of the, the players and coaches said, you know, very uh, powerful. And, you know, what East Carolina meant to him and with the opportunity it provided. And he signed a very lucrative deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars um, back, you know, within the last couple months. Um, I think it was maybe $8 million per year. So with, with his um, passion for East Carolina, you know, maybe in the future, um, for, there'll be some, something there um, with, with the passion that Zay has for the Pirates. And, uh, you know, he's been very, very blessed. Uh, and obviously his opportunity at East Carolina provided uh, a springboard to, to make it to the NFL and do what he's doing there now. Funny you say uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars with Zay Jones. Uh... Shad Khan and Tony Khan on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Tony Khan owns AEW, Vince's only competition. And maybe maybe Zay can get in Tony Khan's ear and say, "Hey, look, Vince don't want to help. You want to upstage him? Why don't you uh, sign NIL deals with his alma mater's athletes?" Yeah, that, that's totally that. Hey, whatever uh, within reason, obviously, but you know, twenty million dollars, and that's the thing is that. We can sit back and everybody can lick our wounds and say, it's not fair. We don't have the money. Well, East Carolina is not North Carolina. We've never had the money, but we've always had great leadership. Every day I walk by a picture of Leo Jenkins at work and the chancellor, president or chancellor of East Carolina from 1960 to 1978. Think about if we had no Leo Jenkins or we had Leo Jenkins and he didn't do very much. Um, having a great chancellor like that, there's a med school because of him. East Carolina University, it was not UNC Greenville. He fought for that. Uh, did a lot of great things. He put us up to Division One for football and the Pat Dyer. You could go on and on and on. Um, but I think a lot of people, if you want to look at textbook, how to be a great leader in East Carolina, the first stop, and the, maybe the only stop, but the first stop, certainly should be Leo Jenkins. And that's what's frustrating to me is we don't have people right now that can go out there and make phone calls and say, okay, you need a million, you need 20 million, you need this amount. There's enough people out there, including what's frustrating to me, guys. And I'll just go ahead and say it. I was trying to play nice tonight. But why do we keep getting left out? I was scholarship level last year for Pirate Club. And nobody told us about an event that was held that was in secret. Um, with as far as um, Michael Schwartz, I mean that's your guy, right? You got rid of Dooley, and who got who, who got left out of, of an event with Mike Schwartz? The fans did, except for the really big donors, and I'm frustrated about that because well, maybe get, you, maybe you have an event for the for, for the really big donors, and then you have an event for all Pirate Club members. You know, you you, you need you, you know all Pirate Club members deserve to to meet. Uh, the new head basketball coach and have an event with him. And, yep. and you, 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 they keep doing the same old shit uh, of excluding instead of including. And um, it, it keeps not working. You know, the fire club keeps getting smaller and smaller. And uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I really don't know what's going on. Some of the things, you know, you get told by certain people, Bubba, 
about things that go on with communications from the pirate club and, and members. And it's, 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 uh, it's mind boggling. I, I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah. Yeah. The whole point is, I'm sorry, Bubba, go ahead. I was piggybacking off what Kyle was saying there. Uh, you know, knowing, knowing people and really multiple people, uh, that have reached out, um, they're planning on uh, renewing season tickets after after not being on board a year ago, and uh, they, they reached out to the Pirate Club and had questions regarding parking and uh, what may be available. And if you don't have an answer at that time, then not, no big deal. But uh, you know, at least pick up the phone, say, "Hey, appreciate your phone call. Just wanted to let you know I got your message, and I'll be back in touch in two weeks or whatever." So uh, just. Now be upfront and first class in your communication and let let those um, season ticket holders, pirate club donors uh, know uh, how important they are because um, with, without them, uh, those scholarships don't get funded. Uh, Town Bank Tower doesn't get paid for. Uh, indoor practice facilities uh, don't get built, uh, so on and so forth. Yeah, no, and, and the stands are empty. I mean, just right down to that is, you know, I, I I don't. It's an exciting football schedule. There's a lot to sell right now. We're coming off of a bowl season. It's like the bowl game not being played. You know, you open up with your arch rival NC State, who's going to be potentially in the top ten. Um, worst case, they'll be top fifteen preseason. That uh, they're going to be talks of them winning the ACC, and you know, I'm sure some of their fans will delusionally be thinking playoff. So that's a big time opponent to open the season. Uh, you got BYU, who's going to be on the road, but you got a preseason top twenty team there, maybe top fifteen. Uh, you, you know, you got Old Dominion coming in. You know, I was thinking about this as we get into a little bit of football discussion. We don't have to take a deep dive, but I don't like that Old Dominion game, second game of the year, because if you upset NC State, you know, them being potentially top ten, you're gonna be walking on damn water, and then you got to get ready for a, a sneaky good ODU team that you know won five in a row to make a bowl last year. Or if you get up, if you if you get beat by NC State, are are you still going to have your head in the sand uh, as ODU comes to town? I kind of wish Campbell uh, was in between that ODU and uh, NC State game, but uh, the ODU game, game number two, is a little dangerous to me because of it being right after NC State. So either way, win or lose, we better be ready for the Monarchs. I agree with you, Kyle. I was thinking about that uh, yesterday. Uh, how I wish it was Campbell in week two uh, rather than ODU, but. Uh, Hey, that's one of the things that, uh, while I no doubt agree with your point, that um, that would be an interesting variable um, if we want to be the program that, that we want to be, you know, winning championships and continuing, continuing for them year in, year out, hopefully uh, in the future under Coach Houston uh, uh, or other coaches, then uh, what, that's something, you know, kind of like baseball just has to learn to play with a, a target on its back. Yeah, but there's human element. I, you, you go back and you look at when Virginia Tech upset Ohio State, and, and you know they were number three in the country, I think. And then we came to town to Blacksburg and beat them the very next weekend. It, you know, oh. it, 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 it's just there's a human element to it. You oh, know, yeah. wholeheartedly where, agree. Just just like last year with um, Marshall, and then turn around after Charleston a big Southern, 17 yeah. point fourth quarter comeback. Um, there in the last eight to ten minutes, you uh, have that n- close call with Charleston Southern. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and and I think if we lose to NC State, I 
particularly them being top 10, unless it's an embarrassing blowout, I would think we would be ready to go against ODU looking for our first win of the year. But, boy, you sure would hate to upset NC State and get upset by ODU the next week. Uh, but it is what it is. The schedule kind of falls where it falls. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what uh, how good ODU is. Uh, like I said, I do know, you know they got destroyed in their bowl game last year, but they were playing really good going into that bowl. And um, they have one really good player. I don't even know what position he plays. Uh, I just know that they got one player that's um, – I, I probably shouldn't even brought it up because I'm not even aware of his position. But I know he's like uh, – he considered outstanding at whatever position he plays. Uh, Bubba, do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't – I know I, – I do know um, what you're referencing, but uh, I, I don't recall 100% either. Um, okay. I want to say it's an offensive skill player, but I, I don't recall for sure whether, you know, it's a running back receiver or whatever. But uh, okay. now who, was it beat, who was it that beat them in that Myrtle Beach ball? Uh, Tulsa. 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 Yeah, I, I just remember uh, – I, I, yeah, on my end anyway, Bubba's inaudible right now. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you now. All right, good. Um, but uh, like Coach Houston was saying yesterday, uh, they closed the regular season with five straight wins, something like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that, I remember that, that watching that Myrtle. Remember about seeing that matchup with Tulsa and thinking, "Hey, I like uh, Tulsa to probably win this game by a couple scores." Yeah, and their schedule was kind of easy the second half of the year, you know. But uh, still, dangerous football team. Brent, they got a very tough schedule too. Uh, you talk about tough schedules. Um, if you look at Old Dominion's schedule for this coming season, their schedule is very tough. They got, uh, I think, UVA and Virginia Tech plus East Carolina, uh, plus a very tough Sun Belt schedule um, yep. with Marshall, App State, Coastal, all in their division. So. Plus JMU, also in their division, which is you know a tough opponent. So, go ahead, Dave. Dave's muted. <clears throat> All right, Dave. Uh, I think you're you're still on mute. I don't know if you're having technical difficulties there. But uh, right now, we'll go ahead and bring in uh, Matthew Semenza, former Pirate linebacker. I hope you guys are doing well. What's up, and Matt? Doing well, guys. And uh, just uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to the show yet, so uh, I guess I'll just jump in wherever you guys are, whatever you guys are talking about. I'm uh, just talking about next year's schedule, uh, kind of the, the dynamic. We've talked about the indoor practice facility, et cetera. And now we were just kind of a little bit talking about the dynamic of uh, opening up with a top 10 NC State team and then having a uh, a pesky good Old Dominion team that's coming off of a bowl game the week after you play a top 10 NC State and how that could be a uh, a dangerous situation if we pull off the upset against NC State. And if we lose to NC State, will, will we be focused on ODU and how uh, Bubba and I wish Campbell was that week instead of Old Dominion? Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it's... Uh... 
<clears throat> you got to love the way the schedule is set up with the first month at home. Um, if you could take care of business that first week, you know, you're really in a good spot for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, I, I just want to see how we uh, – it seems like we've started a little slow mm-hmm. in previous years. Hopefully this year we can come out of the gate fast and be ready for the opener. Well, we, we don't have the luxury of starting slow. Even if we lose to NC State, I mean, you got to keep in mind, they're going to be preseason top tens. Everybody needs to keep that in mind. That'd be If it was anybody else that was preseason top ten, we'd be talking about can we pull off the upset, whereas our fan base because it's NC State is going to expect to win this football game, and that's fine. But people just need to keep it in mind. If we go lose by a couple touchdowns, you know, that's a team that could potentially be playing for the ACC title. So we we, we need to keep that in mind. But you're right. We do need to play well early because even after NC State, you got a, you got a good old Dominion. Um, Campbell is an up-and-coming FCS. You got Navy coming to town. Um, so it's, it's – God knows, uh, Matt. You, you said you'd rather play Alabama than Navy. So those first four games at home, you know, we we need to, we, we really need to be, you know, we need to be three and one in the month of September. Four and I would be even better, uh, but we really need to be three and one um, if we want to get to where we want to be this year. Yeah, no doubt about it, and that remains true, Kyle. I would rather play Alabama than Navy. Uh, <laughs> So good memory on that one. Yeah, Navy's always playing the ass, of course. I mean, the way this one ended this past year with the field goal, you take that 100 times, take it every time. But, you know, Navy's always a thorn in our side, and no matter how good we are and how bad they are, um, like this year, uh, on paper, we were the much better team. It's just you and me, Matt. But on paper, they were the much better. we were the much better team than Navy, and uh, they gave us all we wanted and then some. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, um, you know, it, it, it seemed like we just needed to get over the hump with them. And it was almost like in that second half, especially in that fourth quarter, it was just self-inflicted wounds that kind of got them back into that game and, and, and you know, put them ahead. Um, hopefully now that we've been able to beat them, especially in Annapolis, maybe we're over the hump and um, – you know, we can kind of move forward from that because let's face it, they've owned us over the years uh, for the most part, right up until last year. So hopefully that's a thing of the past. Well, in 2011, we beat them on a, on, in a similar situation in Annapolis and they came back in 2012 and blew us out again in Greenville. So let's hope that didn't happen this year. Uh, I think we got, I think our defense uh, is probably a little better than it was in 2012. Yeah, guys, I think that's, uh, and we could make an argument that uh, with the COVID year that with uh, Garcia, if Holton had started, we would have had a chance to win that game. I really, uh, that's so Oh, yeah. Yeah, it could have be two in a row over Navy. It really could. Yeah, but, you know, you still have to, you know, we it is what it is. We couldn't play Holton, unfortunately, in 2020. But the good news is we got another year with him. I think uh, I think we're going to be in better shape. And I asked a question for those of you who haven't listened. Uh, you need to listen to the, uh, the Mike Houston uh, interview we did yesterday with him, and I knew I knew Calvert was saying to me, probably screaming, was saying, "Please ask about if CJ's coming back." So I knew to ask that question for you, Calvert. Yeah, I didn't. You know, my impression of his answer, I don't. You know, he he said it's something interesting, which you can take two ways. Earlier, he said, "Don't be surprised if we don't add another another wide receiver." 
I don't know if he said by before summer or during the summer, uh, but he, Matt, Dave, you did the interview, um, but he said we, you know, could be adding another wide receiver. And I was curious if he meant from the transfer pool or CJ Johnson, or if it was going to be one or the other. Well, my impression of it was it, it, it didn't sound it. He, he didn't sound overly optimistic, in my opinion. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. When you asked specifically about CJ, I agree. But did you did you catch that part where he said we were going to add another no, receiver? I I did hear him say that, and you know I, I wasn't sure. I, I think it's going to be really hard to add another impact receiver this late in the game. Um, but certainly, I think if we're looking to go down that road. Um, that would be a pretty good indication that things probably aren't going to work out with CJ. Just my opinion. Well, more people into the transfer portal before May 1st. That's how it always happens. Um, I'm quite sure that there is some receivers out there, particularly maybe from the FCS ranks that that have had plenty of playing time. Um, So I I got a feeling if CJ's not coming back, we're adding somebody. I hope CJ makes it back. I really do. I'm rooting for CJ. I, you know, we'll see. I think, uh, I would think if he isn't, if he isn't reinstated by, I would think sometime by, wouldn't you guys say if he's not reinstated by June, he's probably not coming back? By the time the end of the, you know, summer workouts. I would think so. I mean, you know, that's summer workouts are a time where there's going to be a lot of seven on seven going on. Uh, lifting weights, getting in shape. So I would think if he's not back by then, um, it's starting to get a little late in the game um, yes. to really make an impact for next season. Yeah, and he, and he didn't. Go ahead. I was just going to quickly say that with him, I would have thought that he'd already be back by now. And I think that one of the things that Coach said um, – I He hadn't done everything yet. He hasn't done what he needed to do. And he, if I me- my memory serves me right, help me out, guys. He's about halfway there is what Coach said. He's not, like, yeah. really close like we thought. If he, Like, in other words, you would think that if he had not made it by this point, he'd be daggone close. But it sounds like that if it's 100%, you're going from 1 to 100 on a scale, he's probably at 50, like halfway. Well, if there's some academic stuff, I, I don't know if there's any of that. Maybe he's got to sign up for some summer classes because he didn't quite get it done with his grades in the fall. Maybe – and so maybe that'll uh, maybe maybe he won't be maybe summer workouts is not the time. Maybe there's still some things that need to be proved academically. I don't know what all he needed to do. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, there was you know we know what the rumors were. I don't know if he you know yeah. if, if he needs to pass some tests. Yeah. Um, that that uh, you know I, I don't know. I, I don't. It, it, I, I do still find it curious, and I know a lot of it was his, I guess his grandmother or his mom said uh, told him you know you either do it here or you ain't gonna do it anywhere I wouldn't let him transfer um but at, at the same time he, he's a grown man he's over 18 if you want to transfer he can transfer um so i the fact that he didn't enter the portal um would lead me to believe hopefully that he'll make it back on the team uh if not then uh, i you know I, I don't know i feel bad for him I, like i said i you would think his relationship with Holton, Holton could kind of help, you know, and I don't know what he's done. I know he's got a short temper. I know he's apparently late to practice. You know, I know there was some supposed incidents with weed. Everything to me is forgivable. I guess it's a cumulative effect. I guess it's, right. 
You just, just so many little things add up to one big problem. You know, Matt, one of the things I wanted you to talk about being a former player and God knows uh, with uh, Logan and then you have Coach Connors. But uh, for me, uh, what it sounds like with Coach, and, and we've heard this before behind the scenes, and obviously we like CJ and we do a show about the Pirates. We're not one of these shock jock kind of shows. But it just seems like with CJ, what it amounts to, it's uh, saying the term tough love is very an understatement. But as Coach said, you're, you're not bigger than the team. One player is not going to dictate – He's doing a lot of, um, like Kyle's talked about before, this isn't a case where he's committing crimes and doing a lot of bad stuff. It's a matter of it's a lot of childish uh, stuff, a lot of team rules where he's not showing up. But, Matt, going to you, I want to pitch this to you. Um, for me and Kyle, it doesn't seem like a big deal on some things, but but if you're showing up late for practice and, and you have a Matt Semenza and Jeff Carr and a lot of guys that are showing up, early and you got this dude like coming in a Corvette showing up late, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes, like every single practice for two or three years. And you're like, wait a minute, if this guy's showing up in his car late, why do I have to come? You know, uh, you tell me coach to be 10 minutes early. It means it's on time. Yeah. I mean, I can just tell you straight up. If I, if I was a teammate, you know, if I, if I had a teammate that was showing up late, um, and it's no different in corporate America, guys, when I have sales meetings and, you know, certain people occasionally show up late. I mean, I'll be very honest. It would piss me off. Um, it, you would easily lose respect for a teammate that kind of puts himself above the team. And again, I'm not saying that's the case. I, I don't know exactly what happened with CJ, but, um, you know, I can only speak as, as just someone who really prided himself on being uh accountable to the team um if you're showing up every day if you're giving 110 percent effort if you're on time um if you're doing the extra work and you have a teammate that's that's seems to be above that and isn't doing those things you're not you're going to be pissed off you're not going to respect it and um eventually it will catch up with you and now now on the flip side to that you know what i'll say is that you know, I, I'm guessing today is what, 20, 21 years old. Um, God knows we've all made mistakes at that young age. And if coach, if, if Mike Houston didn't love CJ or didn't care for him, he would, he would have cut him loose a while ago. He would have said, you know what? We did everything we could for you. Good luck to you go into the portal, but that's not what he's done here. He's, He's giving him an opportunity. He's showing him tough love, which I think he needs at this point. He needed it. Right. And Two years you, ago. Yeah. You have to respect that. I mean, Coach hasn't just, uh, you know, cut him loose and, 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 and cut him off. I mean, he's giving him an opportunity, but it sounds like he's going to need to earn every bit of it. No yeah, question. no doubt. And time will tell and probably sooner rather than later if uh, okay. CJ is going to be back on the team and – uh I would think if you if you see us add yet another receiver, um, that would probably indicate TJ's not coming back. But then again, who knows? Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't. You know, I'd like to hear. Uh, you know, I go. I, I go. So he didn't think we were going to add another receiver, and then Houston says we are. So I'd be interested to hear uh, I go's thoughts on that, and if he's got any leads on who it could be. 
But don't you think that if he, uh, if CJ was not going to be on the team, let me just play play this out. If CJ was not going to be on the team, he would have already in their transfer portal, and then we would have the other guy. I think what it is, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I'll, I'll, Kyle and Matt are on a team with me, right? And I'm acting up, but coach comes and says, look, you're a tight end. He says, look, um, you can keep all, you got to work on, you know, coming back. And I think he wants to show CJ that, hey. You think he's staying on his ass up until everything's done and he's dangling, hey, we'll add somebody else. Yeah, you don't get do. it back and he's saying it publicly. Uh, yeah, it could be that. It could very very well be that, that, you know, he's he's going to stay on his ass and, until he's back and. And I will say this, when he's back, he needs to be held accountable. But I, I don't like when somebody is let back on into you're back on the team and, and then they're at the bottom and they if, if CJ goes out on the practice field in August and he's our best looking wide receiver at that wherever they have him at outside or at the slot or second best, and he needs to be on the two deep. I, I'm not a believer in, well, you weren't here all – well, you're back on the team now. You're part of it. And if he's out there and he looks like our second or first best receiver, then he needs to be playing. So, if you, if, if he gets back on the team, hold him accountable. But don't bury him on the depth chart. That never makes any sense to me. Uh, Matt, you played. Do you agree with that or not? No, I agree with that, Kyle. I mean, if, you, if you've worked your way back uh, onto the team and – you know, you're you're doing the things you need to do and you're competing in practice, then absolutely. I think you have to let talent see the field when you can. Um, you know, so so I think that's a no, I think that's a totally legitimate point. And one I'll tell you guys though, one thing that I have seen, and, and like I said, I, I did see this at my time at East Carolina, maybe with one or two guys that came through there. Not a lot, maybe one or two in the four years that I was there. I've seen it in the corporate world too. If you have somebody that um, is doing those things, showing up late, not being accountable to the team, um, that can spread rapidly. Right. It really can. It, it, it can become a, you know, for lack of a better term, it can become a cancer in the locker room. And, um, you know, the younger guys, they see somebody getting away with it. They see somebody showing up late, um, you know, doing these different things. And all of a sudden they think it's okay. So, um, yeah. You know that that's where it gets dangerous. But no, I agree, Kyle. If he's if he's done what's what's asked of him, um, and he looks great in practice, then hey, this is college football, and it's about winning games. So put your talent on the field. No question. Yeah, no and, and Tom and Tom will tell. We got any comments from uh, from viewers? Anybody want to chime in? Or yeah, we had uh, Bubba obviously chiming in that outside of telling us the box, uh, telling us the box that CJ needs to check. Mike Houston has been fairly frank about the situation, saying he isn't going to let one guy bring the culture down, and he'd hope that it would be it would be settled by now. And like we were talking about, uh, the very fact of we're at like I, I'm just shocked that we we're 50. percent I thought we would be very close, or he would already be back on the team um, by now. But you know what? Um, I good for Coach Houston. I had a situation, guys, uh, where when uh, obviously the high school level. And I'm coaching basketball, and I had a kid that they knew not to slam dunk the basketball. Um, and the warm-ups is a technical foul, right, at the time. And um, we had had started a tournament, a national, yeah, national tournament with a technical foul in December. So this is January, February. We're playing a home game. 
and the the referees knew me. I'm the one that paid them. <laughs> I literally did because I helped out the athletic director. And uh, they said, Coach, we're not going to do anything about it, but your player just uh, slam dunk the ball. I said, he's not playing tonight, and he was my best player. Um, but I wanted to send a message to him um, that he couldn't mess the team up, and he was furious, he was mad. But guess what? The rest of the team saw that the best player on the team slam dunk the ball, and we could have gotten a technical for that. And I explained to the team and to him, and he understood after the fact, but – you can't slam dunk the ball knowing that that's going to hurt the team and it could have been a technical foul starting the game instead of, you know, the uh, jump ball. So you have to – that was a, a situation where I didn't want to do that. I really liked the kid, but at the same time, I'd already warned them um, not to do it and, it, you know, what would happen if they did. And I couldn't back down on that particular situation. But we did win the game. We didn't really need him that night anyway. But at the same time, I wanted to show that – he was not bigger than the program, just like uh, that was on a smaller, much, much smaller scale compared to obviously East Carolina. But from a coaching standpoint, you just can't have, like Coach said, I mean, they've given CJ, I don't know, not we're not close to the program, meaning the day to day operations, but guys, they've given that guy like I don't know how many chances over the last three years. And, you know, and the, furthermore, the freshman year, nobody knew anything about him, right? And then, Matt, you could probably test this because you're a defensive guy. When that guy burns you that bad, like how good he was the freshman year, they're going to make sure the scouting reports know what to do. And, look, for CJ, all you have to do is grab his shirt, and he's going to, you know, get all mad. And they may or may not call a, a pass interference call, but that's how that's how you get in his head. Just grab his jersey hold him, do whatever you have to do. And he's going to, his mind will be out of the game. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I know we've talked about this before, but don't think for one second that opposing defensive coordinators aren't telling their DBs, listen, if you jawed him a little bit, if you go at him, if you're physical, he's going to lose his cool. He's going to break down. He might have a penalty called against him. Um, there, that goes on during the week. There's uh and, and you could see it. I mean, teams were coming in specifically with the game plan to go after him, do a lot of talking, um, get him emotional, and it did lead to some penalties uh, and some frustration. So, yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, once that scouting report is out, it's tough to uh, it's tough to get away from it. No question. So that's one of the things I think he def hopefully he can work on. He has talent to make it at the next level, even if it's uh. Uh, like undrafted free agent or something. I mean, I, I think he has the skills to make the league. I'm not saying that necessarily he would be drafted based on what I've seen yet, but he he's close to making it to the league, man. And um, why wouldn't you, when you're that close, uh, why wouldn't you do that? Close is not enough. And um, but we'll see how it plays out. But uh, certainly I'm going to give, uh, do you guys have a prediction on how many wins this year? By the way, early, way too early predictions. I think um, the schedule's tough. Uh, I think um, if things were to go perfect, I think nine and three. If things are a disaster, five and seven. Uh, I'll go seven and five. I think uh, seven and five again is uh, with, with seven home games. Uh, so we go five and two at home. 
and that would mean we'd only need to win two on the road. Um, so uh, I'll say I'll say seven and five, but uh, six and six wouldn't surprise me. Eight and four wouldn't surprise me. Um, uh, you know, like I said, I think at best nine and three, but I'll go seven and five. What do you think, Mac? I'll tell you, I I, uh, I would need to go through it one game at a time. Uh, I'm not there yet. How about how about we go through it? You guys want to go through it? Yeah, we can do it real fast. We'll do it real fast. Yeah, we'll do it fast. All right, so we have NC State. That's probably the toughest one for me. I can see it going either way, but I'm going to say if they're if they're a true top ten team, I'm going to say that's a loss. Old Dominion. That's a win. Campbell. That's a win. Navy. That's a win. So that's three and see one. the rest of the schedule. One of you guys put a little schedule. I'm on my phone. Okay, I got it. Uh, we got um, – so we're going to be at South Florida October 1st. That should be a win. At Tulane the next week in New Orleans. That's kind of an unpredictable game, but uh, I'm going to say it's a win. All right. Uh, we're going to be home against Memphis October the 15th. Uh, I'll go lost there. Okay. You going lost at home against Memphis? I think we're going to beat Memphis. Uh, that's one I, I really, I really like our chances. All right. Of. Well, we're going, we're, we're going Matt right now. So Matt, right. Right, right now we got five wins, Matt. So what's next? Next up is home the next following week against UCF. Remember, you don't have Dylan Gabriel. Exactly. I'm going to go win there. We should have, we should have won that game last year. We had it won. Um, I'm going to go win. And then brutal schedule coming up for the last three out of four games at BYU. Another big, uh, they're going to be what, Kyle, top 15 team? Somewhere top there? 15, top 20, yeah. Yeah. And it's on the road to Provo. I mean, um, but not to say too much. Go ahead. I'll, I'll say, I'll say lost there. At Cincinnati the following week. Or excuse me, no, I beg your pardon, it's the bye week. So um, you will have a bye and then it'll be a Friday game at Cincinnati. Hmm, I'll say lost. All right, then we play home. Our last home game is November 19th against Houston. I'll say win. Five, uh, last, and five. last game of the season is t- at Temple. Oh, okay. So he's oh. going to say win for that. So that'd be eight and yep. four. I'll go win. So, I, yep, I'll go eight and four, guys. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I agree with you mostly. There's a few I would flip flop. Um, I think we'll beat Memphis at home. I think we'll lose to South Florida or, or Tulane on the road. I think we'll lose one of those two. I think both will be improved. Um, uh, Houston, I'm probably going to go loss. But uh, I think if I went over the schedule just like you did, I might come out eight and four also just with a few games flip-flopped. Uh, but I'm still going to say seven and five. Hey, we'll take seven. <laughs> hey, we'll take seven and five. As long as you're not saying three and nine or four and eight, that's fine. No, and, and, I, and I think eight and four is very doable. I, I, I just don't see – and I, I don't – you know, we beat Memphis at Memphis last year. I think Memphis is trending down. Yep. And now we get them in Greenville. And I mean, you know, who knows? They may be great this year. I, I got to look to see what they got coming back. But I, um, that's one that I do think is a win. I, I think South Florida and Tulane will both be much better, particularly South Florida. 
Um, this is year three for that guy, and uh, I've, I've seen some flashes on offense. They, though they, you know, they played us really well for a half this past season. Um, of course, it was horrible weather on a Thursday night. Yeah, no doubt, guys. The schedule yep. for me that uh, is going to be tough at BYU at Cincy. You have the home game against Houston. Those three, the last three out of four, is really rough as far as our conference schedule. So, yeah, we got Temple on the road Thanksgiving weekend. Yep. Yeah, That's I don't like Saturday. that from a from a weather standpoint um, yeah. at all. Yep. Rather that be in Greenville. Uh, Temple was god awful this past year. They they were yeah they're they were as bad of an American conference team as I've seen. Outside of us in the Scotty Montgomery era, it would be it would be uh, East Carolina Scotty Montgomery era, uh, UCF twenty fifteen, and uh, that Temple team this year for his worst American Conference teams I've seen. I agree. I think they're still going to be bad. I think there's a whole bunch of guys. Uh, help me, guys. Uh, Matt, you're up that way, um, a little bit obviously north and Philly, but. Uh, didn't there? There was a, and Kyle helped me out. Didn't there? There was a lot of guys that transferred off of that Temple team, correct? Well, that was last year they transferred going into yeah. this season. Uh, I don't know how the transfers have been. I don't even know who their new head coach is. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't. I can't recall. I was just about to ask you guys that. I cannot recall. I, I do uh, know if um, I, I do really believe. Um, help me out, guys. The, Former head coach Mississippi State, office coordinator Oregon, office coordinator Penn State. Oh yeah, took the head coaching job at Akron. I believe that. Uh, I believe if he'd have just waited about another week, uh, he'd have got that Temple job. He wanted to get back close home. He's from Western PA, so he took the Akron job. And he was he was the OC there uh, under JD Brookhart back when they won a MAC championship. So he was familiar with Akron. But um, you, you have to wonder if he would have gotten the Temple job. I have had he just waited out. What is his name? His name is, is that, escaping me. That's right oh Moorhead, Kyle. Is that Moorhead? Yeah, Moorhead. Yes, Moorhead. Yes. Oh well, um, okay. I'm glad. But I'm, I'm from a from a competitive standpoint, I'm kind of glad Temple didn't get him. There you go. He's an outstanding coach. He really is. He did a great job at Penn State. Um, and, you know, he, he's he's a he's a solid coach. So I agree. Better off having him in the MAC. Um, let me ask you guys a question. Do you feel like? You know, considering it's year four, everything seems to be sort of building up to this year for for the program and for Mike Houston. We're finally in a position, you know, we have a senior quarterback. We have depth on the offensive line. We have a solid defense. Do you feel like anything less than eight wins would be a little disappointing? Well, that was I think it depends, Matt. I think seven and five. <sighs> I think seven and five, and then you go win a bowl game, that gives you eight. Um, I think seven and six would be disappointing. I think seven and five plus a bowl to win eight would be fine. I think we've been bad for so long, um, and it's a very tough schedule. So, no, I, I think anything less than seven in the regular season would be highly disappointing. Um, I won't go so far as to say eight, though. Uh, you, you'd like to think year four we could get to eight wins. I think there's enough there. Um, I really believe if we had Snead and CJ, you know, though I like some of the pieces we brought in at receiver. Um, and um, what's the same? What's the corner uh, that, that collect, declared for the draft that didn't get drafted? Jaquan McMillan. Yeah, McMillan. Um, I think he made a mistake. I know he signed a free agent deal. But I really believe had he came yep. back another year, he would have been a mid-round draft pick. 
I was thinking about that, guys, with uh, obviously watching the first round. He, I knew he was. I'm not saying I thought he was. No, I, I think I think had, I thought he was had, had Jake Long came back and, and 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 built on last year. I think he could have been like a fifth round draft pick easily. Yeah, this this the the thing for me is that I know that you have to know about your draft stock, but certainly, um, man, when you when you declare like that, and I, I wish him. Well. He got bad advice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I think he was. You're exactly right, guys. And I tell you what, you never know um, with the way that the season could go. Um, you were talking about eight and four. That's what I had thought. And you know, there's a chance. It all it comes down to you guys are right. It comes down to that first month of how we play. But if you get off on safety, we do three and one. Or well, you, I, you know, I don't know if it comes down to that necessarily, Dave, to get to eight and four. Uh, you know, no, no, last year we started hard. off. Last year we started off zero and two, and we're staring zero and three in the face, and we finished seven and five. So you know, let's say we go two and two to start September, but then we get hot in November, and you know, instead of upsetting NC State, we upset BYU. So I no, mean, well, you know, you never know, but it sure would make things easier to at least go three and one in September. No, you definitely have to have that many wins. But what I was talking about is uh, we it's been a long time since we've had a chance, of, even a fighting chance, to talk about a uh, a championship in the as far as a conference championship. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying we will. Let me make it very clear for folks. I'm not saying we're going to win a conference championship. What I'm saying is that we'll be in the mix where we have. Oh, it's, it's entirely possible because all you got to do is finish second. You don't even have to win a division the right. way things are set up. You know, you go back to division play next year, most likely. Um, so, yeah, let's say we finish second in the league. Let's say, uh, I don't know, you, Cincinnati graduated everybody and their mama, but uh, let's, let's say Cincinnati or UCF finishes first and we finish second, then, you know, we're playing for a conference championship. Right. Uh, Houston's going to be in that mix too. So, it'll, it'll yeah, I think um, – I think when the magazines come out, when you're Phil Steele and you're Athlon, you're Lindy's, um, I think we'll be picked. Uh, I think we'll be picked anywhere between fourth and sixth in the conference, maybe as high as third. Uh, but, you know, you're going to have Cincinnati, you're going to have UCF, Houston, you know, SMU will be in that mix. Um, but after that, you know, we're definitely going to be in the conversation, uh, not Temple, not South Florida. Not Tulsa, not Navy. It'll be us. We'll, we'll, so uh, I think uh, I think we definitely have a shot to, to compete for the championship this year. And guess what? Next year we have a real good chance to make uh, the conference championship. Well, next year the conference changes, um, yep. and uh, you know uh, we'll be breaking in a new quarterback. We'll have a lot of other pieces back, and hopefully Mike Houston will still be here. And uh, yeah, with, with uh, you know, we'll get and we'll get up. You know, we'll get to start our robbery with Charlotte, which I know Matt's fired up about. Yeah, I, you, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, about I'm, that. I'm worried about the conference championship that year specifically because of Charlotte. I don't know if we're going to be able to match up with them. I'm being very sarcastic here, guys, <laughs> and to all the listeners, <laughs> that is people, a joke. Those people, Charlotte. people here, people this, listening right now thought you were serious. No, no, very sarcastic. I despise the fact that Charlotte is. In a conference with us, I'm very open about it. They have not earned their right to get to this level of Division One football. Um, they're only here because they're in a large market. So yep, exactly. if there's any Charlotte fans out there listening to the show, you're lucky, very lucky to be where you are. 
and to be in a conference with East Carolina. That's all I'll say about it. Um, yeah, I, I just don't like it. But um, what are you going to do? I get you know you can't change it. Uh, it, it is well, what it is. I think you. I think you. I think you probably can, and I think you probably will over time. Um, I think when the money dries up and it's going to, uh, I think we're going to be some belt bound. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, yeah, it'd be better to go to the Big 12. But if, if the money ends up all equal, and I think it is, I'd much rather be playing Appalachian State and Marshall than anybody in the American going forward. Well, it all comes down to our leadership. It all comes down to raising money and and like we're talking about NIL deals, we're talking about indoor practice facility. We're talking about, I mean, can we, um, and we've been, uh, we'll get ready to wrap things up, but can can we have people, and I, and I love them in the Pirate Club, but let's be objective, Spence, this course objective. Can we be objective here? We've got to raise some money. Don't tell me, I'm sick and tired of hearing people talk about how we don't have money. And Matt, we were talking about this uh, before you jumped in um, and you were on the way home. We've never had money. It's not like we had money and we don't have it anymore. We've never had it. And but you got to put it out there. You got to put your ideas out there of what you're doing. And so um, I'm hoping that we have the indoor practice facility. Stop making excuses. You guys built the the 500 million, not really, um, but the 60, 70 million dollar uh, press box uh, that was way too much. We spent way too much money on that. Um, and so we have to deal with that, but we can't get further and further behind um, because if not, we won't even, I mean, we're going to be lucky to be a group of five. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it's by now. Now there was a, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but it was mentioned on uh, one, one of the boards that there was already a significant amount of money that's been raised. I'm not sure. If that's, yeah. It was on HTC. Okay. So it was on HCC, and, and and I know somebody mentioned it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like twelve to fifteen million dollars pledged, pledged and raised to do different things. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, we need cash card commitment, guys. So, uh, and and as Mike Houston said last night, it's it's going to be at least twenty million. It's going to be at least a twenty million dollar project. So, um, <laughs> and guys, at the rate we're going, it'll be thirty five million because they, they take too long. Um, these things don't happen overnight, and I don't understand, guys. You both of you are are very ambitious, ballsy guys, right? It frustrates the daylight. Well, so Dave, if we wait for the housing market to crash and nobody's building new houses, we might get it cheaper. Maybe so that's coming. That's coming. But that's true. It is coming. But. The very fact of the very fact of what I mean, I want to ask you guys, what are we waiting for? I don't understand why we're waiting. Put it out there. If you don't, it's like if, if you don't ask a girl out, then she's not going to go out with you. Why aren't we asking for people for money? And why are we so scared? That, are you scared that you're not going to be able to raise the money? Go ahead and put it out there. Go ahead and put it out there that we want an indoor. Everybody won't. And that's the thing. It's not like a few guys, a few of us on this show they're talking about indoor practice facility. Everybody agrees with it. So go ahead. And you already have renderings, as Coach talked about. We've known about that for a while. And they told me they told me it was going to be January, guys, that we're going to do this. They told me it was going to be March. I mean, they keep telling me that they're going to announce this. Like every month or so, I call them and the Pirate Club, and we talk to our sources behind the scenes. Oh, David's coming soon. Well, my God, it's already May, and you still haven't done anything. So just – 
a very it's frustrating that we get further and further behind and we pay people that are supposed to be our leaders. It's supposed to, we have a great chancellor now. Come on, chancellor. We love you. Why don't you put pressure on these guys in the athletic department to get this stuff done? Guys, we're raising hundreds of millions of dollars academically. Why can't we do that athletically? Please tell me why. Sorry. Yeah, we can. It's just going to take the right leadership and uh, the right approach. And hopefully it'll happen soon. No doubt, guys. Do you have anything before we go? I'm going to go to bed here in a second. I'm, <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm sorry. I'm not like Matt Semenza. Uh, Kyle actually probably will stay up to midnight anyway, but um, I yeah. got up at about 5 a.m. this morning. I, I don't know what time you guys get up, but I got up a little bit early. But um, thank you for Wayne Eulis, by the way. Um, Kyle, you're coming to the show. Matt has a good <laughs> – he's in Connecticut. He has a good excuse. Uh, I doubt I'll be there, Dave. I got a lot going on right now. Uh Thoughts and prayers, guys, uh, without getting into it. Uh, keep just uh, Pirate Nathan. Uh, keep me your thoughts and prayers, and uh, okay. I'll leave it there. And uh, uh, that's all I got. Go Pirates. All right. What, what about you, brother Matt? Are you going to get on a, a plane? I'll pick you up in Greenville, and then you come to the show? I, w- I would love to see it, and this is one of the reasons why I, w- I wish I lived a little closer so I could go to these things. But um, if I was around, I, I-, I would certainly uh, – try to get to see it but uh we understand dude yeah yeah it's it's a little far out of range but uh but kyle uh wishing you the best yeah uh we're all pulling pulling for you so um not to not to get into details but we're pulling for you and um you know i i guess the one other thing i wanted to say was just you know, going through that schedule, even though, you know, we talked about maybe a loss NC State, maybe a loss BYU. Every one of those games is winnable. So on the optimistic side, there, there's not a game you look at and say, all right, we can't win this game. They're all winnable games, which is a good position to be in. So you're going to see a lot of 50-50 type games where it could come down to a turnover or, you know, a big play. But um, we should be in every game next year uh, with a chance to win. So I'll just I'll just leave it at that. And uh, speaking of games, we talked about Memphis. Well, the Pirates on the baseball diamond are on the road. They're going to be this weekend. Good luck to them as they're taking on the Tigers there. Uh, we we feel like they should win two out of three. Maybe, hey, they might be able to get a sweep, but good luck to them as the Pirates be coming home uh, for that big homestand. That's going to be great to end out the season. So good luck to Cliff Godwin and company. Uh, guys, this weekend we'll see how they uh, they do. And, of course, we have extra innings. And that's brought to you by Next Level Training Center in Greenville. Go by see our good friends, Trent Brett and Gaynell Brett. They do a great job with that. All right, for our good friend, Bubba Rosenbaum, appreciate you, buddy, for producing tonight. And also, we want to thank our great uh, guest tonight, Wayne Eulis. We had the big show in Robertsonville on Saturday night. Thanks, guys, to Matt and Kyle. Until next time, you've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate. So, and I don't